Welcome to Your Pharmacy Career Podcast, proudly brought to you by Ravens Recruitment, Australia's leading specialist pharmacy recruitment agency. The podcast series has been created to shine a light on the diverse and inspiring careers of Australia's pharmacists. Each episode will focus on the varied career opportunities within the pharmacy industry by exploring the career paths taken by leaders in the fields of community pharmacy, hospital, industry, government and professional organisations. Careers never follow a defined path. Everyone's story is different and unique in their own way. The podcast series will help you discover the world of opportunities that exist and reveal pathways to achieve your dreams and aspirations. Whether you are a pharmacy student, early career pharmacist, or simply looking for a change at any stage of your career, the podcast series is designed to help you navigate ways into a career and a life that you love. Your host of the podcast series is Ali Sue. Ali, herself a pharmacist, is now the founder of Global Pharmacy Entrepreneurs and a passionate advocate for pharmacists to grow, innovate, excel, and make a lasting impact in the world. It's now over to our host, Ali Sue. Welcome to Your Pharmacy Career Podcast. I'm Ali Sue. I'm very excited to introduce to you a pharmacist entrepreneur, Lisa Nguyen. She is the founder and CEO of Astrid, Australia's first female-led dispensary with the vision to reinvent the traditional pharmacy model and put the plant power back to patients. Astrid is a boutique specialty pharmacy pioneering in cannabinoid medicine, plant-based therapies, and nutraceuticals, located at the heart of South Yarra in Melbourne. If you are someone who is creative and entrepreneurial, and you want to create your own pharmacy and brands, make sure you listen to this episode. If you are a pharmacist who wants to step out from traditional community or hospital pharmacy role and develop different skill sets, then this episode is for you also. Without further ado, let's welcome Lisa. Hello, Lisa. How are you? Welcome to your Pharmacy Career Podcast. Thanks, Ali. Thanks for having me. So we're all really interested in Astrid and all very curious about who you are as a pharmacist. And so tell us about your pharmacy background. How did you become a pharmacist and how did you transition from a pharmacist to a pharmacy owner? I've had a bit of a crazy, I guess, career in pharmacy. I went to study at Charles Sturt University in Wagga Wagga. I mean, it's interesting um, studying at a different university because you get to meet lots of different types of pharmacists from different states as well. Um, and it's kind of a different journey for everyone. So early on, I've always, um, I went to study pharmacy, but wasn't really sure whether it was the career for me. So um, during the, the, the pharmacy days, I basically just did a lot of partying and meeting people and stuff in pharmacy school um, and then when I graduated I actually was like I wasn't sure whether I wanted to do community or hospital or industry and the career for pharmacists in in my opinion was always so kind of narrow it was either you're doing community or you're doing hospital or you're doing industry and that was it and no one there was no kind of like mentor person that could be like oh actually there's lots of scope there's lots of things you can do um, now where I'm standing now, I'm like in high school, I'm like, well, actually there's lots of things that pharmacists can do, but no one's just told us what we could do. Um, so the way I've kind of gone about it is that in, in every decision that I've made in my life, I've always just, um, instead of focusing on where I could be, I focus on where I want to be in one or two years, instead of focusing on where I want to be in 10 years. And so that gave me a lot of flexibility in my decisions, like particularly like short-term decisions. And I focused on more skills rather than career, I guess. 
Um, and so um, I'm also quite creative as well. And so the, the thing that frustrated me a lot with pharmacy was that it was kind of like pigeonholed into this really medical, really sterile kind of career. And so I was like, why, why can't pharmacy be different? So I kind of, in my early days, I started just locuming for pharmacy. So I started in community, did that for a little while. Then I was, um, and what I really enjoyed in community was the relationship building with patients. Like I really enjoy having that rapport with patients and um, being able to help patients kind of from like, um, like a, a grassroots level. Like you really feel like you're helping one patient at a time and really knowing their story. And I think that's really impactful. Um, but then it wasn't fulfilling something inside of me. So um, then I was like, well, maybe I can go into hospital. And, um, and so then my career kind of moved me towards more of a hospital kind of role. So I moved towards, a, um, uh, I worked at Epworth Hospital um, with a pharmaceutical slate. And so my role was kind of a hybrid role, whereas I was doing kind of um, a bit of IVF dispensing. I did professional service pharmacists as well. So I was kind of the pharmacist that was on the floor and helping patients, um, guide them, guiding them through the pharmacy. Um, and there was a period in community pharmacy where there was more of an emphasis on the pharmacists being at the front rather than the technicians or the assistants picking up the prescriptions which I really liked that kind of concept where the pharmacist was the first person that the patient talked to and also the last person the pharmacist talked to. So I took away, I learned a lot from every single role I went to. And um, I was also one of those people that had many roles, like I had many, many careers. So I just kept moving job after job because I kept wanting to learn about different kind of things within each role. Um, and so after a couple of years in um, doing that kind of more hospital hybridy role, um, I had a, a burning desire to do something more. And I, I knew I wanted to do something in the more alternative space and also um, something that was a bit more creative as well. So I was a one of those pharmacists that had a pharmacy career, but then also had many side hustles as well. So I was, you know, I had like an e-commerce website I was doing on the side. I was selling leggings. I was doing like kind of consulting. I was trying to um, enroll in courses and I was always upskilling. So that's something I really recommend for kind of young pharmacists who want to do something different with their career. Don't feel like you know, community or hospital, or whatever it is, is just one thing. Always, if you like something, it's one skill set, just pick up a course and just do it because you never know later on when it can help you. You know, like I did a lot of random things and now it's helped me, but I didn't know that would help me before. Um, and so, yeah, after I did the hospital, um, I, a lot of people told me that I was really good at sales. So I was like, well, maybe I can do pharmaceuticals and work in the corporate world. And I didn't want to work 95 anymore. And I want to kind of travel a lot. And in corporate life, you can do a lot of traveling. And I was like, I want to do that. So um, I got into um, about four or five years ago, I um, moved to Brisbane for a boy. And just so, just so happened to land one of the first uh, cannabis kind of repping kind of roles where um, the role was called a medical science liaison. So um, a medical science liaison is kind of an, an interesting medical affairs kind of role where um, we do more kind of education for doctors. Um, and it was, uh, and the therapeutic area was medicinal cannabis. And that was when 
medical cannabis first got legalized, which was a really, really interesting time. The federal government just said, okay, well, we're going to make it legal for doctors to prescribe, but doctors had no idea what to do. So um, I was working for a company called MedLab. It was one of the first few companies that had a product available that doctors could prescribe under the special access and authorized prescriber scheme. Um, and so I was in the, in the early days and helped doctors navigate it. And I loved medical cannabis. Like I really, really loved it. I loved how complex the area was. I loved how early on it was. And I loved trying to solve all the problems. And there's a lot of problems in the early days, particularly when it's a new kind of thing. There's a lot of regulatory problems, a lot of access problems, a lot of um, kind of um, even just normal ordering problems from a pharmacy perspective. Um, and I really loved speaking to doctors. So, um, so I really kind of climbed that corporate kind of career. And um, I did that um, with MedLab for almost two years. And I moved to um, another company called Canopy Grow. Because um, again, I, I always have that itch inside of me to learn and, and evolve. So I was like, okay, I've, I've done two years at MedLab. I think that I want to grow and learn more in terms of how can I be like a medical affairs and manager, um, that kind of role. So I moved to Canopy and I was one of the first MSLs that they hired. And Canopy Growth is um, a global company. So it was really exciting because I came from community and kind of hospital. I'm like, I've never worked for a global company before. What does that even mean? <laughs> so um, the head office was based in Canada. And um, we had a lot of like really exciting kind of international meetings. And so I had the ability to um, speak to um, colleagues from all over the world which is great. That's a great learning because again, the kind of research in different areas of the world was different. And then I felt like they really honed in a more corporate um, skill set that I didn't have from, you don't really learn that in in, in a hospital or in community. And um, yeah, and so um, at Canopy, they, it was a really exciting company because they were from a market cap perspective, they're the biggest in the world. And so they um, really tried to help me um, grow as much as I can. I had a couple of opportunities to actually fly to Canada and do a lot of training there. And um, I, had, I did like a business kind of um, meeting there with a lot of other colleagues in, a, in Canada, which was amazing. And, and uh, they had this thing where they invited everyone from different countries who work for the company and everyone had the ability to present like different things about um, their kind of um, areas. And it was great to see how different countries tackle medical cannabis, how different regulations tackle medical cannabis. Some companies or some countries were recreational as well as medical. Some companies like Germany are just medical. And so everyone has a different strategy. And so in that role, I learned a lot of strategy and I learned about how to actually work things from top down rather than in community is very bottom up because mm. you're doing one patient at a time. Um, whereas this is very big picture, like, well, we've got a cohort of um, patients in different, you know, chronic pain, men mental health, um, um, insomnia kind of patients. Well, how do we uh, roll out cl clinical trials to help these patients? How do we uh, create access programs? Like that's really, really exciting for someone that came from community pharmacy. And so I did that for um, almost two years as well. And, and I still did that in medical cannabis. And so after about two years or so, that was right before the first um, lockdowns in, uh, in Melbourne. And then so a part of me um, saw a really big, kind of gap in the market and and the gap was patient access. Me coming from community and going to corporate and I loved my corporate career. 
um, I was one of those girls that was like, I never want to own a pharmacy. That's too much work. That's There's too much work managing people. That's like a lot of effort. And I really like the flexibility of corporate because um, you can work from home, you can travel, you have a very different, um, very career because this in medical affairs, you can do MSL work, you can do sales work, you can do brand work, like there's so many different areas that you can hone in depending on your kind of um, interest. Um, and you just have to put in the work for them to see that, you know, you add value so they can kind of move you in different roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my, my decision to quit corporate and launch Astrid was a big decision for me <laughs> because I was like, do I let go of my really awesome corporate career or do I got this idea? And it was back then it was me and my, um, my husband, I was writing on a piece of paper. I'm like, do you think this would be good if I did this? Like, wouldn't it would be a good idea? Cause I think that patients are not getting like, you know, the right kind of access in Australia. And he's like, well, that's a really good idea, but I'm like, but my career is so great. Um, so it was a bit of a, a struggle, but, um, Um, I had a really clear vision for Astrid Dispensary. And so like you might see it now when it's like beautiful and it's green and it's gold, it's like terrazzo stone and it looks really nice. But in the early days when it was just an idea in my mind, it was wild. (laughs) Um, So I just kind of had this idea and I'm like, I just got a notepad and I I clearly really drew it out. So I, I really knew that I wanted not to look like a typical pharmacy. Um, when I had flown to Canada and stuff, I had seen um, like the dispensary kind of model there. Um, and they had really cool, like um, kind of Apple looking dispensaries. And I was like, wow, this is really sleek. Like, like this could, I could make pharmacy really cool. <laughs> and so, um, and then at the back of my head, I was like, well, why do we view pharmacy the way we view pharmacy? Like, why does a price line look like a price line or a chemist warehouse look like a chemist warehouse? And so I guess, and then I guess I was like, well, well, it's okay for them to look the way they look. I'm just going to do something different. And so the idea of doing something different comes with a lot of climbing up lots of hurdles mm. <laughs> because trying to pitch a concept like this to the bank or um, the pharmacy board or to even like shop fitters they're like no, like we don't think we can do this I'm like but well, why not <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was a really interesting journey and and it was also interesting if you if you think about that that's already complex by itself coupled with the fact that we were in the middle of a lockdown mm. it, it was even more difficult <laughs> um so a lot of people thought I was really crazy but um in hindsight, I'm really glad that I kind of went with my gut. So that's another thing I'd really recommend for young pharmacists. If you've got a passion for something and if you have a gut feeling, just go for it. Like, you know, like if you know in your gut, your heart, that it, it might be a good thing. The worst thing that could happen is that it's a bad idea. Then you go always go back to your pharmacy. Like this pharmacy is very stable. It's always going to be there. But if you've got a really good idea, you think it might be a good idea and no one's done it before, just do it. Like that's the biggest advice I can give to anyone. Um, I have no regrets. I'm not saying it's not hard work. I, I still hustle every single day. Um, but it's been, yeah, a bit of a crazy journey. But um, yeah, so in the early days, I kind of pitched this, like I remember um, I pitched this this vision to um, kind of like, a, I think a Priceline shop fitter. And they're like, this is going to be really complex. Like it doesn't fit with a lot of the traditional kind of shop fit models that we've done. And I'm like, that's okay. Can't we just like make our own model? And they're like, oh, it's going to be really expensive. And I'm like, oh, oh no. <laughs> so um, 
so what I did was um, because a lot of people didn't understand and the vision and what I learned early on was that there's no point working with people who don't understand your vision because then you have to spend a lot of time explaining it yeah so I picked partners who really were on the same page as me and that was like a business lesson I learned what early on um, and so instead of going with someone who's done the traditional kind of model I went with someone who's never done it before mm. and so that for me was easier because they had a fresh outlook and mm. they had no idea what pharmacy meant they didn't know the rules didn't anything else so together we figured out the rules and then we built it according to like the pharmacy board regulations mm. um, according to the visions that I had so from a um, I guess from an architectural perspective that's how we did it from a brand perspective I had a very clear vision on what kind of brand I wanted to um, create and also I one of my passions is launching like different types of brands as well I'm really creative so that was kind of it came to me really easily mm-hmm. but um, I really loved a really minimalist brand I really wanted to be uh, patient focused um, I really wanted it to feel warm and accessible and not kind of cold sterile white walls boxed in mm-hmm. um, so that was like an easy tick for me when I was building kind of like the graphics and the colors and the brand vision and mm. um, kind of the ethos behind the brand. Um, and, and also like, I think one thing I'd say to young people as well is that if you work with a company that has a clear brand vision, it also uh, reflects what kind of people they want to take on board. Like for me, when I hire people now, they have to be aligned with the vision. Like they have to be, you know, passionate. They have to be really um, open-minded, being able to think outside the box as well. Like I think pharmacy teaches you a a certain skill set, but being able to solve problems and step outside of that as well is also really important. Um, And being able to, you know, work together really well. I think in pharmacy now, I think it's very like churn and burn. And I feel like there's an element for pharmacists to be really good at consulting. Like I feel like pharmacists can be really good at counselling beyond the two-minute counselling. And so um, I kind of, um, I've got a team of six or seven pharmacists now in the one building. And it's great because they bounce things off each other. We have different types of teams, not just, oh, you're dispensing you collect the prescriptions and you can do the ordering and you do the website packs. It's kind of beyond that now. And so it kind of gives them more autonomy to really spend time with a patient and talk them through the medical cannabis and their journey and learn, a, learn that patient's story as well. Um, and that the reason why I feel like I could hire up people is because in the early days, I spent a lot of time thinking about, well, what kind of brand do I want to create? Mm. Um, and that was really important and so yeah I see a lot of like young people now trying to make business decisions but a lot of the um, the errors in the decision is because they didn't really think through the brand in the first instance I think if you know your brand then everything else you just go back to the brand and like okay well here are my four brand pillars what do my decisions fall within those brand pillars it becomes a lot easier after that and that yeah. reminds me, I'm really curious about the name Astrid. I love the name. You know, it yeah. reminds me of Astrid in uh, the, the Crazy Rich Asians. Where, where does Astrid come from? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I get asked that a lot. Um, I think sometimes the answer disappoints people, but I'm not sure. Um, so Astrid was, um, the name Astrid was chosen because I want to actually name my daughter Astrid. I don't have a daughter I'm not pregnant at the moment but eventually I do want to name my daughter Astrid I want to have a legacy for my daughter eventually so I want her to like grow up and like okay well my mom like grew up with a really big legacy and I really want to like you know um you know live up to her expectations that sort of thing 
not putting pressure on my child or anything like that. <laughs> um, but the, the second reason is because um, in the medical cannabis industry at the moment, it's a booming industry right now. We're kind of in the infancy, it's kind of growing kind of up every single day. Um, and what I found in the early days was that there was not many kind of names that, um, there was not many uh, brands that were, that were represented by females. So I really wanted a strong female name that was a bit different, that could create an impact. So the fact that people ask me, okay, well, where does the name Ashwood come from? It sparks a conversation and I can relate it back to the fact that I want to create that strong female name, which really cements that brand for me. And yeah, and also I think that representing the fact I'm not just a female, but I'm also like of Vietnamese descent as well. For me, I'm very passionate about, you know, representing people of colour as well. And so that's really important for me. And yes, wow. that's a difference from Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, love it, love it. Well, another question is about what's the process starting your own pharmacy? You've never owned a pharmacy before yourself. So, no. you know, that's like a lot of early career pharmacists, you know, will be pharmacists for, for a while, but never actually mm-hmm. entered into business or retail mm-hmm. business. How mm-hmm. did you transition? How did you learn all these skill sets to create this beautiful mm-hmm. pharmacy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really, really good question. Um. I think that I didn't go through, again, like with, like with with most pharmacists, there's like a career you kind of go through, you go, you you join a community pharmacy and then you become a manager and then you become a partner and then you become an owner. Like that's kind of the career trajectory. I never wanted that, like like that from day one, I never wanted to own like a normal pharmacy. Like I never thought I'd own a pharmacy, period. (laughs) Um, And um, so that was one thing I never thought I wanted to do, but because I always am a natural kind of entrepreneur. Um, I always had a side hustle. Like everyone knows Lisa's always got something on the side, but she's still in. And because my side hustle has always taught me a skill set, I just self-taught. So I just taught myself how to launch an e-commerce business. I I taught myself how to um, source products from overseas. I taught myself how to do my own like kind of branding. Um, I taught myself how to like build relationships with people. And that's business 101, like, as long as you know those things, everything else can fall into place. Um, the kind of nitty gritty of how to open a pharmacy is, I guess, if you're wanting to open a traditional pharmacy, then most pharmacists would then, you know, you'd work in a pharmacy and then you kind of manage and then you own it and you buy into it. I think that's what normal, normal pharmacists would do. Um, for me, I opened it from scratch. So that's the difference. So I actually built it from scratch. So I, like, I literally went down Chapel Street during lockdowns, I'm like, where is a pretty empty store? Um, I also was very particular about where I wanted it. I wanted it on one of the busiest streets in Melbourne. When I chose it, it wasn't busy because it was lockdowns. Um, but I knew that eventually one day we'll get busy again. Um, so I, um, I just chose a store that used to be an old rundown kind of like a retail store. Uh, rented it out. I got a shop bidder. I got approvals from pharmacy board. There's a few licenses that you need um, and usually different states have different rules on how to open a pharmacy. Um, different states are more regulated as well. So it just depends. In Victoria, they're pretty strict. There's a, the kind of a lot of rules that you have to stick by. Um, I did everything by myself. I didn't get like, I think you can get consultants that help you, but I just literally looked at it, read all the rules, asked, and, and that's another thing, asked for advice so I was never afraid to pick up a phone but like hey I have no idea what I'm doing can you please help me you just call the authorities up directly and they're usually really nice like um, the VPA are really really nice and they they want to help so you just ask them the right questions um, 
And if you don't do it right the first time, they just tell you, okay, well, this is wrong. Can you fix it? So it's, it's a pretty like um, easy process in my opinion. Um, it's harder doing things by yourself for sure, because like, I think when you buy into a, an existing like price line, like it comes with its own like collateral, like you get your own brand, you get the logo, you get like the customer base. I, the, the first day I opened my pharmacy, I had zero customers. Like it was just a pretty shop and that was it. <laughs> um, so I was standing on the street trying to get people in the door, you know? <laughs> um, and yeah, so you have to be a bit clever about um, how that kind of works. Um, but yeah, I mean, it depends on what you want. I think most pharmacists, if you know that you want to own a pharmacy, then just try to um, upskill and learn new skills and then ask for advice. Like my biggest thing was that I always had really great mentors and I always had someone to reach out to or ask questions. And I feel like if younger pharmacists also have someone that they aspire to be, just reach out and ask them, well, how did you get there? What do you think I should do? Or is there courses I can do? Um, and yeah, asking for feedback is really important. So what kind of pharmacist or team are you looking for? So Ashford is very different. It's a very unique model the type of person that we're trying to get so yeah we have a team of like you know six or seven pharmacists we've got a lot of a few techs um we've got a few assistants we have a whole like um, finance team and stuff as well and we all work in the same building which is really exciting because it's like hustle and bustle all the time (laughs) which is it's a lot of fun um but I think uh, attitude is really important. Like I, I don't mind if um, pharmacists come to me not knowing anything. I'm happy to train people. Um, but I think the, the attitude um, and the ability to um, want to learn more and want to grow, I think that's really important. Like you can't, you can't teach someone that. So, mm. yeah. Mm. Last question. If you could leave one last piece of advice to our early career pharmacists, what would it be? I would say don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something. If you want to do something, just go for it. If you fail, it's okay. Like people who are successful usually have failed 10 times before they did something right. So don't be afraid of doing something wrong. Don't be afraid of, you know, oh, well, I might miss out on this if I don't do, if I, if I do that. Well, you might miss out on that, but also you might gain a lot by doing that one thing. So just go for it. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Your Pharmacy Career Podcast, proudly brought to you by Ravens Recruitment, Australia's leading specialist pharmacy recruitment agency. If you enjoyed this episode and know anyone else who you think would benefit from it, we would be grateful if you could share it with them. Together, we help even more pharmacists develop a career and life they love. If you have any questions or suggestions about future podcast episodes, please reach out to us via email info at ravensrecruitment.com.au.